Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to another Anchor at Home. Today, I want to talk to you about arming ourselves with truth. For you guys that don't know me, I'm certainly not a gloom and doom type of person, but I want to take a few minutes and I want to read a few sobering scriptures that I personally believe are very important for the time we are living in. To begin, I want to start with a scripture out of Matthew chapter 24. Listen to what Jesus said concerning the last days. He said, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive. If you can underline this, deceive or lead astray many. I want to pause there for a second. The word prophet in its basic form simply means this. It means one who lends his voice to another. So in the same way that an individual can lend their voice to God so he can speak through them, in the same way an individual can also lend their voice to the enemy so he can speak through them. In other words, it goes like this, that he literally will insert thoughts into their mind, which we know is a lie, and then they begin to speak out those lies so that other people can be deceived. Now let's go on and see what the rest of the verse says. It says this, it says, And because lawlessness or because unrighteousness will abound, the love of many will gradually grow cold. I want to pause there again. The word love there is actually the word agape, which we know is the love of God. And so when we read this portion of scripture, we have to read it through the lens that it's not just talking about some random guy out there, but it's actually talking about believers. The reason we know that is because you have to be a believer to have the love of God inside of you. So once again, notice here that the soberness of this, we could even say the warning of this is simply that it says because of unrighteousness availing so much or because it's abounding so much in our world that the love of many Christians, their love for God will grow cold. And then it says this in verse 13, it says, but he who endures till the end shall be saved. Now watch this because Paul actually echoes this exact same truth that Jesus gave us here in Matthew 24. He echoes it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to what he said in verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the Spirit expressly or clearly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear those verses, but my automatic response is simply this, is how could this happen in the life of a believer? Like, how could someone who has God's truth inside of them be deceived? I believe a piece of that answer is actually found in Romans chapter 1. So let's start in verse 25. It says this, it says, They traded or they exchanged by choice the truth about God for a lie. Isn't that what happens when a person is deceived, that literally they reject the truth so they can believe a lie? Of course, when a person is deceived, they don't know it's a lie. They actually think it's true. Now, watch what happens. It says that because they made this exchange, they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. 
Now I want you to see what happens in a world where people start living according to a lie. It says in verse 28, it says, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God. The, the Amplified actually adds there because they thought it was foolish not only to just acknowledge God, but also to consider Him worth knowing as their Creator. It says that He, God, abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done says in verse 29 that their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip or spreading of rumors. Then it says in verse 30, it says, They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, breaking their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy, or they are without pity. And then it says in verse 32, They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. In other words, they deserve to be punished, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. The Amplified actually says this. It says they even enthusiastically approve and tolerate ones who practice these things. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this portion of Scripture, it sounds really familiar. And the reason I say that is because when I look at that Scripture, it looks a whole lot like we're seeing today in our world. Gang, we live in a day of moral relativism where people say there are no absolutes. We're being told that one's personal truth is flexible and moldable to fit their current desires or situation. We are even being told that it's okay to change our truth so that it can be acceptable to whatever cultural preference that happens to be trending at the moment. This mindset has caused the real truth to be challenged. Now, we know this is true because now more than ever, the existence, the sovereignty, the sacrifice, the moral standard, and even the salvation of Jesus are being called to question like never before. Unfortunately, this question isn't just from those in the world, but it is even happening with some of those who call themselves Christians. Yes, even those who are involved in our local churches are finding themselves questioning if Jesus is really the only way to heaven. It is as if the influences of this world have caused them to forget what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's like they have clearly forgotten that Jesus said in John 18, 44, that Satan is not only a liar, but he is the father of lies. It is as if so many of us have bought into the lie that, that says, because God is a God of grace and because God is a God of love, that he will gladly morph and change himself to fit whatever perception we have of Him. That He is willing to become whomever we want Him to be because what matters most is our happiness. All the while forgetting that He said that He is the eternal God who does not change. So to believe that God will actually change for us is deception. Church, it is true. Everything the enemy does is cloaked with lies with the intent of deceiving God's people. Now, why am I bringing this up today? Especially when so many of you that are watching right now probably agree with the things that I'm saying. To put it bluntly, here's why I'm saying this. There's a war on truth happening at this moment, and we would be fools to believe that at some point we will not be tempted as well uh, by the enemy to compromise or to question what we believe. 
Therefore, I simply want to remind all of us today about the importance of arming ourselves with God's truth for the days that we are living in. With that said, let's remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-4. through 4. He said this, he said, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Watch the next few words. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Thankfully for us, Paul didn't leave us hanging to wonder what those mighty weapons were, but he actually told us what they are in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at it again. It says this in verse 13 through 18. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, the day that we are in, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Here's the key part we're going to talk about today. With the belt of truth, buckle around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then it says in verse 17, take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions. All right, so let's settle in here for a moment. As most of us know, it is obvious when the Apostle Paul was writing this portion of Scripture, he had a Roman soldier in mind. And the first thing I want us to notice is this, is how this soldier was fully covered. Imagine with me, if you will, the Roman soldier would have had a helmet on his head. He would have had a breastplate on his upper torso that went all the way down to his midsection. And he was covered with metal that literally went from the top of his knee down his shin all the way to a thick metal piece that would have covered his foot. Not to mention that the soldier would have also had been carrying a sword and a shield. Because of this, once again, he would have been fully covered or completely protected in battle. Now with that image in our mind... Am I the only one that thinks it's kind of strange that Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, began to write about or describe this incredible looking soldier that he, that he chose to start with a belt? I mean, don't you think it's kind of unique that Paul started with the ugliest, most boring, and least notable piece of armor that the soldier would have wore? I mean, think about this for a moment. As soon as the soldier slid on his breastplate, the belt disappeared. You couldn't even see it. And, and that's where he wanted to start. It's like, man, if I was writing that, I'd have started probably with the sword because that's the coolest part of the armor. But then again, maybe it isn't so strange when we begin to understand that the belt was the one piece that actually held all of the Roman soldiers' armor together. For example, if the soldier had no belt, then where would he have hung his sword? If he wouldn't have had a belt, there'd have been no place to rest his shield. That's right, his shield was actually attached to his belt. If he didn't have a belt on, then there would be nothing to keep his breastplate from flapping around as he moved because it wouldn't have been securely fastened to his body in the fight. So as you can see, even though this soldier would be wearing all of this great and fancy weaponry, if his loin belt wasn't firmly in place, everything else would have been a mess. Therefore, it doesn't seem so strange after all that Paul purposefully started with the belt because to put it plainly, it was the most vital part of the Roman soldier's armor. 
It not only brought order to the soldier's armor, but it also helped him to be confident in the fight as he moved quickly and with great fury, a great intensity in the battle. Here's the main point I'm trying to make here today. If we realize it or not, the same could be said for us. We can have all of this great spiritual weaponry available to us, but if we don't understand that our righteousness is based off of God's truth, that our peace is based off of God's truth, that our faith is based off of God's truth, that our salvation is based off of God's truth, and yes, even our sword of the Spirit is based off of God's truth, if we don't understand these things, we are going to be a tangled up mess that is emotionally, mentally, and spiritually out of order. The bottom line is this, is if we lay aside our belt of truth, over time we will begin to lose our sense of righteousness and our sense of peace. We will begin to feel the joy of our salvation uh, diminish in our lives. We will even begin to compromise and lose our ability to believe and to walk in faith. And when we lose our faith, you know what happens next? Our emotions, that chaotic roller coaster that lives on the inside of us, will begin to guide our lives and we will find ourselves struggling with unbelief and doubt. In short, there will be what the Bible calls a leanness in our souls, and we will lack the necessary spiritual strength to stand our ground. When this happens, if we like it or not, gang, it will only be a matter of time before we are led astray and deceived by the enemy. But the good news today is this is that if we are willing to make God's truth the centerpiece of our lives, the main focus of our lives, if we are willing to become one of those who firmly tightens his belt or girds up our waist with God's truth, then the opposite of that will be truth. We will not be deceived. We will be able to stand strong and stand in our place and fight against the enemy, the good fight of faith. So I want to ask you today, with all that in mind, what is the source of your truth? At this moment, where are you getting your truth from? Are you getting it from your local news TV station? Are you getting it from CNN, Fox News, NBC News, or the like? Has YouTube videos become your source of truth? Has Facebook or another social media outlet become your source? Is your source your Aunt Pookie and your Uncle Virgil? Is your, is your source your friends that you keep bumping into when you're in town? Or is your source of truth your own thoughts and your own opinions that keep swirling around in your own mind? Come on, how many of you guys know today, even with all that said, that you can have all the facts and all the information, but still not know the truth? Like how many of us know that we can have a bunch of emotions raging in us, but still not know the truth? It's because of this. It's because I personally believe God is trying to remind all of us today that He doesn't want us to fool ourselves into believing that we can find the truth in any of those areas. And the reason is very simple. is because none of them have stability attached to them. Church, please listen to what I'm about to say. We also need to remember that our praise and worship is not our belt of truth. Fellowship, social gatherings, small groups, none of that's our belt of truth either. Prayer meetings, not our belt of truth. Personal prayer closets, not our belts of truth. Dreams and visions, as great as they are, personal prophecies, as great as they are, none of that is our belt of truth either. So here's the point I'm trying to make to you today. If we want to be the type of person that isn't swayed by the evil one, then we better know our source of truth. 
With that said, God has made it pretty clear to you and I that the only source of truth we will ever be given, the only belt of truth that we will ever be given in this life is His Word. It is the Bible. Gang, apart from Jesus, the one who is the very written Word of God, the rhema and the logos, it is impossible for us to discover, experience, and to live in the truth. So what is God's truth? Truth is simply this. It is God's view on any subject. And I want you to know today that according to Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible says that His Word, that His view, right? His view on every subject is forever settled in heaven. That it is forever standing firm. That it's forever constant in heaven, meaning that it will not change. Guys, it is true because it will not change, because His Word is settled, we can be sure today that it is the perfect lamp into our feet, the perfect light into our path. So whenever we find ourselves contemplating the truth on any subject, the first question we need to ask as born-again believers is this, is what does the Bible say on the subject? The reason this is important is because God will never contradict. He will never stray away from His written Word. It is for this reason the Bible is the supreme authority and the absolute divine standard for every one of our lives. So church, I'm encouraging today that we need to quit acting like uh, the kind of people that, that think that the Bible is a selection of writings where we get to pick and choose like we're at some kind of buffet what we're going to believe and what we're going to apply to our lives. So guys, because the Bible is our absolute standard and our supreme authority, we can actually use the Bible as a lens of discernment by which we measure everything else in this world, not the opposite way around. Meaning that we don't measure truth by what we see, rather we actually measure truth by what He has already spoken. So let me close with this today. In the day that we are living in, I want to encourage you not to get bored and complacent with the Word of God in your life. I know so many of us out there, man, we have like every version of the Bible and it kind of sits there. We read it occasionally and we sometimes have the mentality, should I read the Bible today? And we kind of, uh, I'm too busy, I'm too tired. And we just think in our hearts, well, pastor is going to teach us the Word on Sunday. I, I want you to know today that it is a season, man, where we have to arm ourselves. Here's why this is so important, because God only operates in the realm of truth. So if you and I, if we want to operate with Him, if we want to be the standard in this season, if we want to be one who is partnering with God and turning the tide in our regeneration, then we will need to pull all of our armor together, the full armor together, and we need to tighten up. We need to fortify our belt of truth so that we will be able to stand with confidence against the attack of the enemy. So let's make it our aim today to arm ourselves with God's truth. Come on, let's make it our goal today to dig into God's Word, to study it, to meditate on it, to read it, to get it down deep in our hearts. But most of all, let's not just read it and just walk away from it. Let's actually apply it to our lives, to literally every circumstance, every situation, because that's what it means to make God's Word, God's belt of truth, the centerpiece of our lives. And here's the awesome part about this, gang. When we begin to do those things, we actually begin to, in the spirit realm, begin to put on the belt of truth every single day so that we can stand firm against the attacks of the enemy. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you today that you're giving us discernment to see that there's a war against the truth 
happening in our world right now. And Father, our desire is not to be people that are deceived, not to be people that's led astray or swayed by the evil one. And so Lord, we're simply asking today, God, that you would help us to have a hunger and a passion and a desire for the Word of God. And Father, we believe today that as we uh, begin to read and begin to study and begin to pour our lives into the Word of God, Father, that that belt of truth will be firmly in place. And as that belt of truth is firmly in place, the rest of the armor will be firmly in place as well. And Father, we thank you that when that armor is firmly in place, that we can have confidence and we can stand strong in this fight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for doing these things in your name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us again for another Anchor at Home. We hope to hear from you and see you soon. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.